Welcome to Florida. That is the voice of New York Times bestselling author and award-winning environmental reporter, Craig Pittman. My name is Chad Scott, and this is Welcome to Florida. And in his most recent column for the Florida Phoenix online, floridaphoenix.com, Craig's playing a little dress-up. He's got the wigs out. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I I, I, uh, I delved into why the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service under the Trump administration tried really, really hard to get key deer off the endangered list. I mean, key deer are the very definition of endangered. There's fewer than a thousand of them. People run over them all the time. And uh, and they're, they live on islands that are surrounded by a rising sea. So, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> they don't have a lot going on for them in terms of getting them off the list. But the, the Fish and Wildlife Service, they had a supervisor in the Atlanta office who wrote up this list and said, our goal right now is to have wildly important goals wig and our wig is to get these species off the endangered list or never let them on in the first place and and the first that first round of 30 included the manatee which we we've seen how awful that was and then in the next set it was the key deer they were Mm -hmm. trying to phony up ideas for how to take the key deer off the endangered list and it just so i use lots of puns on wigs yeah, yeah. Well, I, and it, it demonstrates how, as a federal organization, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is a political body. And well, it, the, there was a lot more political science than actual science involved in this. Let's put it that way. Good, good way to put it. And its <laughs> aims and behaviors swing wildly between administrations. And and, and this was such a rude awakening of mine, and it's all because of you, Craig Pittman. I, I think if if someone is really interested in learning the nitty gritty, ugly business of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, read Cattail, Craig's yeah. incredible book about the efforts to save or not save the Florida <laughs> Panther, depending on on who you're talking to. I had no idea until reading Cattail about the adverse uh, and adversarial relationship really between the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and wildlife. You'd think it's right there in the name. Isn't their job to protect wildlife, conserve wildlife, save wildlife, advocate for wildlife? Not always. And and as Gomer Powell used to say, (laughs) surprise, surprise, surprise. (laughs) FloridaPhoenix.com, an example again, of uh, federal policy related to uh, endangered species and wildlife in Florida, and in this case, with the key deer. And we will stay in South Florida for this week's guest. May Man Jennings is the subject and uh, primarily her work to help establish Everglades National Park. Yeah, she's a she's a fascinating character from Florida's history. Few people know about the, contra- the tremendous contribution mm-hmm. she made to our, our, our lives and our, uh, the, you know, the, the state that we're in today. Mm -hmm. And astonishingly, she is not in the Florida women's hall of fame. Mm -hmm. So I went looking for someone who could tell us about that. And that's how we wound up with Mary Powell. Mary Powell is in the leadership of the general federation of women's clubs, the Florida federation of women's clubs. And she is going to tell us all about this key figure from Florida's past may man Jennings. Mary, why, why do you think this woman who, who, who probably ought to be in the women's hall of fame has been so kind of forgotten I think there's politics involved. She was very much a, um, her husband was a Democrat, but, you know, he was a Democrat at a time 
when Dixiecrats were really more in line with Republican thinking. And um, there weren't many Republicans in the state of Florida at the time. That yeah, they, they were pretty much an endangered species back then, I think. They were. They were an endangered species. So the party, the prominent party in Florida was the Democratic Party. So, but, the, you know, in reading, uh, reading up on William Sherman Jennings and Mayman Jennings and their, the work that they've done over the years, it, it really is more in line with the current Republican Party than it was, than it is with the current Democratic Party. But it, uh, it like I said, at that time, there was only a truly a Democratic Party in the state of Florida. Now, May Man Jennings, she was not born in Florida. She came here. She was very young, right? Why? She was just a couple of years old when she came to Florida and they moved to Crystal River. And, oh, wow. you know, I think about uh, have you, if you've ever read A Land Remembered, you know how Florida was just such a frontier. And I mm-hmm. think of Crystal River as just being a frontier and uh, what a wonderful um, place to grow up. Uh, her father had orange groves and she lived an outdoor life and became quite the equestrian because she just enjoyed being outside so much. And I think that's where her her love of conservation came from, from uh-huh. growing up in, in the Crystal River area among the sense. orange groves. What time period are we talking about and what brought her family to the, the area? Uh, she was born in 1872. Her father, her mother's health was really pretty bad. So he thought that if he brought her to Florida, that her health would improve. Well, as it turned out, she passed away when May was nine. But no, they, moved, they moved to Florida. Her father was really, an, he was enthusiastic and excited about the opportunity to get involved with orange growth and, and to move to Florida and to better himself and his family. And so it was an exciting time for the family to come down and to get involved in the uh, citrus industry. And Now, how did she wind up meeting the man she would marry who would eventually become governor of Florida? Okay. Well, when her mother passed away, when she was nine years old, her father had served as a state senator and was serving in the Florida legislature. So when her mother passed away, he didn't know what to do with the girls. And so he enrolled May and her sister Grace in St. Joseph's Academy in St. Augustine. So she graduated from St. Augustine, um, graduated valedictorian um, of her class in 1889, and she was only 17 years old. And so um, when she finished there, she came over to Tallahassee to help her father in his work with the Florida legislature. And he was, she was his hostess and his secretary. They worked together on that. And then during that time, while she was going to school, he moved, um, her father moved from Crystal River to Brooksville. And so after they finished up with the legislative session, they went home to Brooksville. And that's where she met her husband, William Sherman, Sherman Jennings. And, you know, I think he was, he was quite smitten with her because she was such a darling girl. She had her father's personality and and she was enthusiastic and excited about life in general. So, mm-hmm. um, and very intelligent, obviously, and too. very intelligent. And so mm-hmm. she she was just a mover and a shaker. And and so mm-hmm. she they they were in Brooksville and and they met and fell in love. And my favorite story though is when they got married. They got married in Tallahassee during legislative session, and <laughs> and she and he were walk. They were escorted down the aisle 
by the full legislative assembly. I just oh love that story. I, love, wow. I think it's so romantic. <laughs> <laughs> we should mention to people, because I think a lot of people get this, that this was during a time when women couldn't vote. The only, only white men could vote. That's right. But, you know, she had such talent with, the, with her knowledge of the Florida legislature and politics in general that mm-hmm. she, she was able to make things happen for communities. And, and during that time, women's issues were moving forward. And women, the General Federation of Women's Clubs uh, motto is to uh, improve the quality of life in the communities in which we live. And so she set out improving the quality of life for Florida residents, for the yeah. people that lived in Florida. And she did a wonderful job. She, she was involved in every aspect. If, if something came along that someone needed some help with trying to get um, better funding for or for to draw attention to it, they, would, they came to May. She was so well known throughout Florida. And uh, they like to call it the old girl network and the Florida Federation <laughs> of Women's Clubs was an old girl network. And and at one time, the, the organization was a very strong organization in Florida. Right now, I think of our I think of our organization as being pretty strong. Still, we have 8000 members. So I still think that we're a pretty strong organization. But there was a lot of things that she did during her lifetime. And she did co-establish the League of Women Voters in Florida, mm-hmm. trying to, to make things happen for women's right to vote. She, most of her accomplishments are from after her husband was governor, right? What yes, did she so, do while, while they were living in the governor's mansion? Were there anything, any particular accomplishments we can point to there? Well, uh, not necessarily uh, during the time that he was governor. She was mm-hmm. very involved in his policies and his efforts mm-hmm. to establish his recognition and his uh, the works that he was doing. You talk about Florida as a frontier in this period. And it's it's hard to imagine for a lot of folks, myself included, 19th century America, uh, let alone 19th century Florida, because there has been so much change. Florida didn't become a state until 1845. So she's right. born a generation after statehood on the right. heels of the Civil War. She grows up right. during reconstruction long before women had the right to vote long before it was commonplace i'm sure to to find a a woman having any sort of meaningful role even in in support with a a legislature in the government so you know we will get into the conservation work but but she was uh, i would imagine a, a, a trailblazer in any number of respects when we start thinking about the late 19th century when she was starting on her journey you know, she was so well connected. She had a lot of, of well-known friends and very influential people in her circle of, of uh, acquaintances. And so she, if something need to, needed to be developed, if something needed to happen, she had a wonderful world of resources at her fingertips. At what point did she become involved with forestry? Because she's, she's known as sort of the, the mother of the Forest Service, right? Yes, she is. Um, what I understand is that there were a lot of issues at Royal Palm Park with fires and a lot of damage done by just um, natural disasters. And um, she saw the need for the Florida, Florida Forestry Service. And yes, she is known as the mother of Florida forestry. It didn't pass immediately, but her son helped her write the, the, the law that, that they were trying to get passed through the legislature. It took a few turns. 
at the legislature for it to get passed. So her work with Royal Palm Park preceded that? Yes, it did. Okay. So so maybe we should talk about that now then. Sure. What what led her to be interested in the Everglades of all oh, things? I mean, which you know, which at that time was people regarded as, you know, they thought swamps were worthless. Yeah. So. They can, it took a long, long time for it to, to become a national park. But in uh, 2015, there were a group of ladies that were trying to preserve and had filed resolutions uh, through Florida Federation of Women's Clubs with the legislature to support setting aside land called Paradise Key. It was called Paradise Key down near Homestead. And uh, these ladies approached May about helping them to establish this as a state park to preserve uh, this uh, beautiful uh, area. I'm sorry, Nine, you, said tw- you said 2015. Oh, I did, didn't I? Yes. In nineteen in nineteen fifteen, May okay. was approached <laughs> okay. by a group of ladies uh, from South Florida who were interested in preserving this area called Paradise Key, and uh, they um, asked May to help them to make something happen with the Florida legislature. So she went to Tallahassee in nineteen fifteen, and of course, you know, she knew many of the legislators, mm-hmm. and she knew the governor and his wife. So she met with them, and in the very last act of the Florida legislature in 1915, they signed a bill to establish Royal Palm as a state park in Florida. And that was the first state park established by a legislative process. And since then, there have been a number of state parks established. As as you well know, they're all over the place. But but the rest of the story is is that they did not vote for funding. (laughs) <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah. So May had to, she had to get busy with figuring out how to fund Royal Palm State Park. When I attended the rededication ceremony, there were members from a lot of the women's clubs in the area Coconut Grove, Miami, Homestead, Coca Plum, El Portal, Miami Springs, Dade County Federation Women's Clubs. And they were the hostesses for that day. And, and there were several dignitaries from the park service i was so excited to be there that was one of my favorite things and and it was a real treat to meet some of the national park dignitaries fran manello was the first director of the national park service and she was appointed by george w bush and installed as director of the national park service right there at royal palm park and also and it was a real treat first first female director first female that's right yes Did I say that? No, I didn't say that. First female director of the National Mm -hmm. Park Service. And it was a real treat also to meet Pedro Ramos, who was the superintendent of the Everglades that day. It was such a treat to be there with them that day. And there is a plaque there honoring Mayman Jennings at Royal Palm State Park, that entrance to the Everglades. And it's really exciting to, to see that. There's also, interestingly, she was instrumental in establishing the garden clubs in Florida, the Florida Federation of Garden Clubs. And there is a highway marker. My husband and I go up to to Kingsland sometimes for breakfast. And there's a highway marker on Highway 17 at the Florida-Georgia line. I I see, Chad, you got your eyes up. You're thinking, where is that? Right. Mary (laughs) is a a neighbor of mine, just like Peggy Bulger from a few episodes ago. We all live here in Fernandina Beach. So Highway 17 over Georgia. Yes, I'm conceptually trying to drive that uh, right now and and think (laughs) of where that mile marker is. Do do tell so I can go find it. Well, go like uh, go up 17. When you go out to Uli, turn right Mm -hmm. and go Mm -hmm. straight and pass, go past where the interstate uh, is. Okay. 
mm-hmm. just keep going. And it's right. uh, probably two miles up on the left. There's a little pullout area with covered picnic tables. And it's right there in that area. Oh, neat. And neat. you know that before the Interstate 95 was established, Highway 17 was the north-south route into Florida. It says, in appreciation to May Man Jennings from the General Federation of Garden Clubs. <laughs> she was very involved in the uh, establishment of highway beautification. Mm-hmm. And she worked to keep road signs at a minimum, not not uh, a many advertising signs at a minimum and billboards, et cetera. So she, that was part of her process that she began. Had she visited the Everglades before getting into this advocacy on its behalf? Because that's a long trip at that time from Crystal River, uh, the you know Tampa Bay area, all the way down to the the Everglades. Um, yes, when her husband was governor, they were working on draining the Everglades. <laughs> there's there's always been programs. <laughs> there's always been programs about trying to change things in the Everglades to make it more um, farmland, yeah. uh, make more farmland, make it more hospitable (laughs) to development. And that was part of the reason why she wanted to, to get this Royal Palm Park developed because she, uh, Henry Flagler was moving his railroad down through the state of Florida. And he, he thought it was a great idea to develop these, these areas and to, to help the state grow. So Mm -hmm. he, he got, when he got married, he honeymooned in St. Augustine. And just loved that area. And he just wanted to, he wanted to have every, let everybody have a chance to uh, be part of this beautiful state of Florida, which I'm proud to be here myself. So, but, and the rest of the story is I wanted to talk a second about the Everglades. Finally, Royal Palm Park in 1929 was able to get funding from the Florida legislature. So May didn't have to work as hard to keep things moving forward. They cut roads, they had trails, they had a lodge, they had a they had a guy who was he was overseeing the whole park area and he was a naturalist. I believe his name was Ernest Coe. And yes. May was appointed to the Everglades Commission after that by the governor. And Franklin D. Roosevelt did agree to establish a national park in the as the Everglades National Park, but it took a long time to develop the Everglades National Park. And during her work on the commission, which is not something that that I've seen anybody talk about, during her work on the commission, they put together 315,000 acres of land, of state land in Dade and Monroe and Gilchrist County as part of the Everglades National Park in an effort to get it established. Um, and and I think that was that's been overlooked. And I think it was a huge accomplishment on her part to go to the Florida legislature and to succeed in having the state land dedicated for the national park. So um, but and that's the rest of the story about Mamie Ann Jennings and her involvement with Royal Palm Park. It just didn't end at Royal Palm Park. She she dedicated an, a long, long Time and she was there in 1947. If you, if you look at a picture of uh, Harry S. Truman in his dedication of the Everglades National Park ceremony, uh, she's there. Now, what did this grow the, out of her work with the with the garden clubs, or was this? I, I had read that she was part of the formation of the Audubon Society in Florida. Did that play a role in that? Um, I'm, I really am not familiar with with oh, her okay. role in Audubon Society, but. But in the garden club, she and Mrs. Cummer of Jacksonville's uh, Cummer Museum 
um, were instrumental in establishing the Florida Garden Clubs. How much larger is the National Park, Everglades National Park, than the original footprint of the Royal Palm State Park? It's 1.5 million acres now, Everglades National Park. Right. But so Royal Palm was sort of the seed from which the National Park grew. That's right. It was a seed. It was started at as 960 acres, and Mary <laughs> Lilly, Mary Lilly, Kenan um, uh, Flagler donated mm-hmm. an additional 960 acres, and then it grew to 2,000 acres, and then to 4,000 acres, and, and then uh, when um, Franklin uh, D. Roosevelt established the national park, the Everglades National Park, she de- she gave the Florida Federation voted to give Royal Palm Park to the Everglades National Park as a part oh. of the Everglades. That's awesome. I did not realize that Mrs. Flagler had donated land to the yeah, park. Yeah, she amazing. did. Um, immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that she was just trying to uh, keep everybody happy. You know? Yeah. We we want to put our railroad through here, so let me give you some land. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At, at this time, uh, the time we're we're talking about, unlike today, obviously to, to the same extent, there were people living in the Everglades. Obviously, the Seminoles were living there. What was May's relationship with the the Seminoles in this conversation about the national parks being set aside for? nature to the exclusion of the indigenous residents? Well, she was really involved in helping to establish a national um, uh, reservation for the Seminoles. And and part of, of that process was to to provide land for them. And, and they were already in a place that they felt at home. So she, she continued to work on getting the Seminoles, but it wasn't going to be a Florida reservation. It was going to be a national reservation so that it could tie into the National Park Service use of the land um, in the Everglades National Park. All right. So now we can sort of move from Royal Palm to the forestry thing. So the, so there were problems with the with the trees in Royal Palm. Is that sort of what got her interested in them? There were fires. There were all kinds of things in in, in Royal Palm Park, there were a lot mm-hmm. of fires and a lot of trees that were damaged, and she wanted she wanted to to broaden the pro, the uh, process away. You know, not just necessarily in Royal Palm Park, but throughout Florida, she saw a need for developing a forestry service to control uh, the areas in Florida, and and she also was uh, very involved in tick eradication laws and stock fence laws. Hmm. Much to the chagrin of the cattle industry. Yeah, but, we should know, mention they, we should mention that Florida was an open range state until 1949. Yes. That's how powerful the cattle ranchers were. Right, and <laughs> and they felt like that area over around Sebring and and Lake Placid in that area should should never be fenced in. That it was a hmm. it was a uh, open range, and they that's the way they wanted to keep it. And like you said, they they did that for a long well, time. Uh, again, another amazing anecdote. Do you think post World War II? And there is free cattle grazing in Florida. No fence, yeah. no barbed wire. This isn't, you know, yep. Wyoming. You're not riding fence line like a cowboy. You just take your cattle wherever they can eat. Right. It's amazing. That wasn't yeah. that. People alive to remember that. You know, we're not talking about <laughs> well, a it, revolutionary it, war here. Andrew no, Jackson. And it, and it changed because tourists kept hitting the cows on the roads. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, that was part of the reason why they wanted the fences up. Keep cows yeah. off the roads and. 
And you know, when it's it's so funny that over the years of being involved, you don't just get to be president of the Florida Federation of Women's Club, you got to work up the ladder. Mm-hmm. And over the years of being involved in uh, uh, Florida Federation of Women's Club Executive Committee, I've gone and talked to clubs and looked up their history. And, you know, just to try to, to make them feel like I know a little bit more about them. And, and almost every club that I visited, their history indicated that they were involved in getting the pigs and the cows off the road mm. and out of town. <laughs> and so the, those stock fence laws, they were important mm. for many, many years. And it took, a, it took a lot of effort to get those laws established and a long fight, a long battle to get it done. That's amazing. So what sort of awards and accolades did May Man Jennings get while she was alive and people knew what she had done? Well, she was, um, besides being the mother of Florida Forestry, which she was established, helped establish through the legislative process, um, the Florida State Board of Forestry. She also mm-hmm. helped um, to establish the Florida State League of Women Voters, like I said before, on March mm-hmm. 31st in 1921, at a meeting in Jacksonville. And they immediately voted to affiliate with the National League of Women Voters and work to support women's issues in Florida. And she worked to secure, interestingly, she worked to secure passage of a bill that created the Florida State Library, not FSU, the Florida State Library in Tallahassee. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and she urged the Florida Federation of Women's Clubs to donate their uh, expansive traveling library to the Florida State Library. And also, she was able to uh, acquire the private collection of books that belonged to William Jennings Bryan. Uh, oh, he wow. was a cousin, her husband's cousin. <laughs> so she was able to get quite a collection. And you know that the American Libraries Association, they credit the General Federation of Women's Clubs with establishing 75% of all the libraries in the country. Wow. So anyway, and also in 1927, she worked to establish the Internal Improvement Trust Trustees Fund, and which was the first state park board, state parks board. Mm-hmm. And uh, she wanted to be the director of the Florida State Parks, but the governor wouldn't give her the job. She was a woman and he wanted yeah. a man to have it. Oh, yeah. Women are much too delicate to handle stuff. Yeah, like that's that. right. <laughs> Well, and she also established the YWCA in Jacksonville and promoted mm-hmm. and established, I love this, tomato clubs in Florida, which became <laughs> 4-H club. clubs. Yeah, tomato, tomato clubs. But why tomatoes? Oh, they were, um, it was, it, it, well, you know, 4-H is about, about gardening, uh, uh, farming, and, and uh, so that was uh, an, in an effort to get it going and get it established. Mm-hmm. They called it the Tomatoes Club. <laughs> tomato clubs, and then they became 4-H clubs. And also, she was, uh, besides the garden clubs, co-founder of the Florida Federation of Garden Clubs. Members of Florida Federation feel that the Everglades National Park exists today because of her leadership in the organization and right. her undaunted spirit in seeing the program through this. And you asked me about other awards. She actually received an honorary degree of laws from Stetson University, and she oh, wow. was Designate a, designated a Great Floridian by the Florida Department of State in the Great Floridians 2000 program. And like I said, there is a 33-acre park named for her in Jacksonville. And there is the Mayman Jennings Women's Hall in, at the University of Florida, which was named in her honor in 1962. Yeah. So she, you know, she was 
was an amazing woman and received mm-hmm. quite a bit of, of uh, accolades. And, and yet she's not in the Florida Women's Hall of Fame. You know, amazing. she's not in the Florida Women's Hall of Fame. And I, I, I say that I, I thought that it was because of her politics. But, but, you know, I just really don't understand it. And I hope that we are able to one once again this year, they have a... Uh, uh, application process uh, ends on April the 31st, and she is among the top 10. Her application will go to the governor's desk again, and we think she is very much worthy of being included in the Florida Women's Hall of Fame because it is about women who've made a difference in the lives of women and children in particular, but in all of our lives in Florida, and and she certainly qualifies as someone who has made a significant contribution to everybody's life in Florida. Mary Powell has been our guest, giving us the uh, history of May Mann Jennings, Mary Powell, with the General Federation of Women's Clubs, the Florida Federation of Women's Clubs. Thank you so much for your time today and sharing this information about May Mann Jennings. It just, it it boggles my mind that, that women who could not vote were the ones who say basically saved the Everglades. You know, they're they're the they're the ones who stepped up and said, "This is important. Stop draining it. Mm-hmm. Put it off limits to people trying to do stuff to it." Yeah, and another example of Florida's impact on the early environmental movement. We've talked about that a, a, yeah. a great deal, whether it was with Jack Davis and the the Bald Eagle book, but uh, Audubon was formulated largely because of the plume trade in right. South Florida. The first yep. National Wildlife Refuge is the Pelican Pelican National Wildlife Refuge there in Mm -hmm. Vero. So much of of what went on in those that late 1800, early 1900s period came as a direct result out of Florida. And and it it always is amusing. That's not there's nothing amusing about it. Let's, Let's call it ironic. Florida, additionally, as we talk about great women who have uh, helped this state in any number of ways and women's suffrage in the anniversary of the hundred year anniversary of that, which was recently Florida has a a poor relationship with the 19th amendment and that it was one of the States that (laughs) did not ratify it uh, when it it was trying to become uh, an amendment to the constitution. It didn't back the equal rights amendment either. Welcome to Florida. Welcome to Florida. (laughs) 